0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the FI Europe podcast. Today I am joined by my co-host Alvar and we interview the head of the current Thomas Cook Alan, who is the husband of our VA, so it was a lot of fun to be able to chat with him. The main topic we talk about today is whether financial independence is a good goal to strive for. We talk about Alan's background, how he built a career that he loves, and his advice for other people who want to build a career that is fulfilling. Also at the end of the episode, we have a short announcement to make, Alvar and I. I'm not going to say anything more. I think it's best you hear from the both of us, but um, yeah, enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast,
0: where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money.
1: This was your hosts, Alvar, Herminta and Matthias. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast episode of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. Um, today, I've got my co-host with me, Araminta. Hi, everyone. And our guest of today, Ellen French. How are you, Alan? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Awesome. Thank you so much for joining in with us. So today, we're going to interview Ellen basically just on the topic, how to build a career you love, how to enjoy the journey as much as possible, and Armin, I will and I will have a short announcement at the end. But to basically get this started, Alan, can you just give the audience a quick
2: idea of who you are, where you are about, where you're from, why you're on the show? <laughs> I'll try. So, um, as I say, Alan French, uh, I currently run a um, uh, travel company, um, ThomasCook.com, which I've just spent the last year building from the detrius of the previous company. Um, Married, two kids, two teenage boys, more hobbies than I can shake a stick at. And I'm probably driven as much by having, having challenges and responding to challenges as I am about completing and, and uh, doing things early and retiring early.
1: Uh,
0: I think this is one of the reasons why we want you on the podcast, because uh, you have a different perspective than many of the people that we have on. Uh, So I'm I'm looking forward to talking about uh, kind of prioritizing picking a career that you want to do rather than, you know, trying to exit as soon as you can. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see kind of what are the different nuances there. But would you mind telling us a bit, what does your current work entail? Because, uh, Head of Thomas Cook sounds really exciting, but what does that mean exactly? What do you do every day, for example?
2: Well, right now, I'm trying to sell holidays in a market where you're not allowed to go on holidays, which turns out to be challenging. And I've spent the last year uh, recruiting a team, building a company, getting the holidays sourced, doing deals with hoteliers and airlines, getting the CAA to buy into business plans. So doing all of the things to launch a business that um, we launched in in September and uh, now put out there where we have got about 40,000 hotels on sale. And we allow you to travel through about 60 flight um, operators to take you all over the world. So biggest challenge of course is building and launching that in an environment where intuitively you would think the timing sucks.
0: Actually I'd love to dig a bit deeper on that how how do you plan on, on you know I mean <laughs> of, of all the industries in the world travel is like and hospitality are two of the worst right now so how I'm just curious to hear how is Thomas Cook managing all that considering the current scenario we're in?
2: Yeah, and and uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster year as we sort of surf from lockdown to quarantine to travel corridors and so forth. I think the good news now is that with what's been announced recently and the a program which is emphasising vaccinations, if we wind up vaccinating the number of people that the government has committed to doing in the time frame that we've committed to doing it in, it is very likely that people will be able to travel for a summer holiday so we are selling that clearly not in huge volumes but i mean to be truthful about it you know it, actually what's quite likely to happen in europe is that there aren't going to be enough holidays to go around as everybody's running for it so i think there's an opportunity and we are clearly leveraging on that for people to buy a holiday early and make sure they can get to where they want to go to with the people that they want to go there. And I think within Europe, it's likely that we're going to see vaccinations across enough people to allow travel. There'll probably be some testing in place. There'll probably be some inconvenience. But I think that people will want to go on holiday. So, yeah, difficult challenge, but I think a doable one for the summer.
0: That's really good to hear, because like everyone else, I imagine, I really want to go on holiday in summer, so I'm excited. And so you, um, you mentioned that you really enjoy solving problems. So what are some examples of like your favorite problems to solve in your day-to-day work?
2: Well, I mean, a lot of it is just how do you, how do you launch and fine-tune a company? Um, how do you get the right blend of hotels, airlines together? How do you put that in front of a customer in a way that kind of makes sense for a customer and resonates? By background, I'm 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 technical. So a lot of the other problems that I'm looking at are, are, you know, around how do you? What are the big challenges that the travel industry faces, and are there opportunities for uh, a company like Thomas Cook to to actually solve those and and to be able to make it easier, for instance, to be able to look and find a hotel that you want to go on, to be able to understand what you can do while you're on holiday rather than it just be a simple matter of going to the south of Spain and sitting on a beach. I I think people want more and more from their holidays. They want experiences more than they want to be able to just sit on a beach uh, and have a drink. And starting to put that in front of customers, I think, is the next challenge that we're trying to work through. The world is a hugely interesting place, but actually trying to find a way of making sure that the holiday that you go on actually fits with what you want to do isn't that, isn't that simple. So trying to make sense of a huge amount of data and bring it, put it in front of people in a, a way that they can consume it and it makes sense to them is probably my big challenge.
0: It sounds like a very interesting challenge and you probably learn a lot about people's travel habits in the meantime, right? Because of all the data that you're Accumulated.
2: Um, yeah. um,
0: and you, you've mentioned mostly technical challenges. Uh, you're also managing a team, obviously. So how is that? That's also a challenge or how, how is that?
2: And the people challenges where you can't meet them in person. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't be um, glossed over. Uh, uh, you know, in common with almost everybody else, we, we started working remotely in March and we haven't really met each other since then. And the human dynamic of, of running a team of people where you haven't been able to meet them, is, is, is really challenging. And technology helps. And, and technology works while the happy path is going on. So as long as there's no nothing unusual happening or there aren't any really any big problems, technology works quite well. But as soon as something goes off the happy path and you start to deal with something exceptional, actually the human dynamic of being able to meet somebody, have a coffee with them, um, be able to read their body language, spend a little more time with them than you know than a Zoom call allows. Those become the important things about building teams and and pulling people together. I imagine it also gets
1: very complicated training up new staff members, doing everything over Zoom without having the human element in there. I mean, I can certainly say I miss it myself within my own team, but other uh, business ventures, you can get a lot done over Zoom and. Digitally, but it will never be the same as just sitting down together in a meeting room, ha- having a coffee. And we, we can look at each other right now, but it, it will never truly be, create the same
2: interaction. No, I think that's right. You, you know, and and the, as I say, the big challenges are the problems. So when you want to onboard somebody, when you want to talk to somebody, talk to somebody about how they could be doing things differently, those are the things where that human dynamic becomes so important. And that becomes difficult to do and therefore lost in translation is not an uncommon thing. Having said all that, I mean, there's a lot of efficiencies as well. So I think that, you know, we'll never go back, I think, to the nine to five office environment that most people knew and weren't necessarily in love with. I think what we'll find is work-life balances that work better for people where people can start to choose what they do from where. Um and I think what they'll find is that people will work from home, but go into offices to meet people. Absolutely. But it will also require
1: individuals having the discipline to actually get and keep that going, keeping themselves motivated while working from home. And I think for many that will work well, but it will also be very difficult for others to yeah to stick with that. I'm certainly also guilty of yeah, not always being as motivated or like lacking the other human you know encounters that often keep you going where you're like okay have, I'm actually done with this okay, but anyway, Alan, what I would also like to ask because you know you've gotten yourself in a very senior position right now I can imagine that has taken decades of a career to actually get to that point to kind of just maybe start with that like you know how is your career how has it developed what what
2: did you study even well my 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 undergraduate degree was was um economics um, majoring in stats. And in an era where actually computers weren't everyday part and parcel of it, and uh, um, I started working in stats. But I actually moved quite quickly across into um, computing and starting to write statistical models. And I've spent most of my working life actually balancing solving complicated problems that require quite a lot of maths for a variety of businesses. You know, Boots and uh, M&S were two big companies that I um, was involved in. I was the chief technology officer for both of those for quite some time, and prior to that, I was writing um predictive algorithms for the finance industry out of Boston, um, using a lot of the quant, the, the quantitative analysis that came out of MIT. So. My background, weirdly, and, and, and but the story that goes through to my background actually is, is probably more interesting than the, the actual mechanics of it, because I really like a challenge. And I do that in both my work life and my personal life. So I'm driven to do a whole variety of strange things, including doing things that actually are difficult to do and not a lot of people do. So I, actually, I spent most of my working life taking on problems that weren't easy to solve. And trying to solve them. And that's the thing that, that's sort of consistently taken me through a working life that's seen me. I mean, I started working in the UK, but I spent 10 years in Australia and four years in the States and a few years in Europe, and, and then been back in the UK for a long time. So as a, as a career, it's sort of been a lot of fun because it's allowed me to go around the world, look at problems that are quite unusual and difficult to solve, and then look at Using a mixture of my skills and a large amount of data to solve them.
1: So, if we're looking at kind of like the trend throughout your career, it's very much been find very complicated problems nobody else wants to touch, jump on them and get them done somehow in some way, and learn throughout the process.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. And the problems started off as very technical problems, and then they you know wound up as more people problems, and uh, now more business problems. But the theme that runs through them all actually is, is not dissimilar, which is, you know, you need, you know, it, it's it's fun to do, it's challenging to do, and therefore I quite enjoy doing it.
1: Don't you find it difficult as somebody with a very technical background to also like the, the HR perspectives, the strategic planning, like to mix those? I can imagine you know, uh, if you've got a very technically minded personality to like, but still also to cover the other areas of business which are equally as complicated.
2: No, it's, it's, it, to me, it's, uh, they're, they're not very different, to be honest. The differences between understanding a, writing a compiler for the Human Genome Project, which I did many years ago, to understanding how a major retailer in the UK works. They're, you know, the, the base principles behind it aren't that different. And the mechanism for solving it, which is, you know, some level of analysis, coming up with a hypothesis, testing the hypothesis using data, selling that into people. There there is a lot of commonality within it. And I think running through, I like people. So although I'm quite analytical, I do enjoy spending time with people and chatting to them and learning what they know. So that's great fun. So going into a new industry or a new problem and looking at how you can solve it is not very different for me from some of the earlier statistical problems that i had
0: yeah it's it sounds like when you like you at 18 uh starting university it's not like you set out and were like okay this is where i want to work this is what i want to do it wasn't exactly planned right you were just like okay i want to go solve problems and you just did whatever felt good is
2: that right yeah that that that's probably close to it um, i mean yeah and i, I was driven to, to yeah the, and the drive was to find interesting and challenging mm-hmm. things to yeah, do yeah. um and uh, yeah and, and that's still to be honest what drives me that's cool
0: i mean that's what life is right one problem after another at the end of the day there is no like you never get rid of your problems right Pro- you just find more interesting ones there was a quote actually i can't remember where problems never disappear you just find better ones that's all
2: yeah, yeah I, I think you should embrace them i mean there are they're challenges you know problems um, um and that's what you've
0: done with your career and i find that quite um interesting uh, that you've kind of you've used your career as like a problem solving catalyst i don't know catalyst is not the right word but a, a machine
2: a problem solving kind of like approach i guess um, i think for me it's I, I feel that i every time i solve a problem i learn a little bit more which allows me to take on a more challenging challenge uh, <laughs> or a problem and then use the little bit of skill that i got last time to to help assemble a little bit more. Um, sure. And the skills that you acquire are not, you know, I, I, maybe the, I, I don't think they're just technical. They're, they are analytical skills. They are technical skills, but they're also people skills. And people is really the heart of everything you do. I mean, it's interesting as a technician, the most important thing that the most important resource I have to deal with on the day-to-day basis is people. And it always has been. You know, it doesn't. you can be writing the most technical thing in the world you can't do it yourself. You can't do all of it yourself. So you've got to be part of a team. You've got to assemble the dynamic. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to treat people as human. Understand what makes them tick. Pull those levers. Push some of them. And um, so you know, yeah, I feel that it's that it's it's similar. I and mean, I'm just getting to respond to bigger challenges.
0: And obviously, this is a financial independence podcast. So has there any ever? ever uh been like a financial motivation behind it so you know i want to travel abroad i also want to make more money so i can save more money has that ever been part of the motivation
2: i mean i'm, I'm sure that if there had been a time when i didn't have enough money then that would have been a motivation but actually i i think that being in the industry that i've been in and doing the things i've done within that the financial side of it has just come along as a part and parcel of operating within that environment. And then, you know, I've I built two or three companies in my career, sold one of them at a profit, one of them at a loss and collapsed one. So, you know, the, the, there's been pluses, you know, the, you know, i built things up, moved them on, sold them. That That's been part and parcel of it. But the driver for me has never been to necessarily only just acquire Assets for me, actually, the most precious thing I have is time, and what I want to do is to make sure that I'm as creative with it as I possibly can be, and so I'm enjoying what I'm doing whenever I'm doing it be it having fun with my family, be it skiing, motorcycling, you know, doing whatever it is I'm doing, as well as work. And I, you know, I, I kind of treat them in a so- similar sort of way
0: yeah the reason I'm asking this is because something that we see a lot in the FI community is that people just uh, like you your your job is working at a desk, probably, mostly, right? yeah and many of us are fine with that, I am, but many of us are not, and we don't want to work at a desk and we don't want a nine to five as you said it yourself. most people are not big fans of it. Most, many people don't like their bosses, many people don't like having to report to someone else. you know the, the traditional elements of a job. Uh, The ones that everyone criticizes usually, this is what someone thinks of when they think of, you know, a job or even career, which is sad because a career, you know, there there are many more ways of exploring a career and, and doing and earning money. But at the moment, most people who graduate university just get a normal job and then And this is why they they discover FI, and then they're like, okay, maybe I don't actually have to do this for the rest of my life, and maybe I can retire early. This is the main mentality behind FI. So, my question is what would you say to someone who's like, look, I just don't want to work in a nine to five at a desk, reporting to a boss, it's just not for me?
2: I'm not sure that I have a a ready answer to that. I think the challenge would be what is it that you want to do? Because the thing about doing generally speaking i think the subtext is that is i don't want to be told what to do and the fastest way to not be told what to do is be really good at what you do because then typically you get to decide what you want to do so you know i think one of the challenges and it may just be that you know that the role you're in is very boring well go find a role that's less boring and maybe that the career you found in, you find yourself in is one that you don't want to be in. But if it's that taxing, I think the challenge would be to do something else, you know, and, and do that pretty early. You know, don't 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 sit there in a job that you don't like for any, any length of time. Find a way of fixing it. Rather than say, actually, you know what, I'm going to work really hard doing something I dislike, surrounded by people. I despise for a period of time, which is then going to allow me at the end of it to not do that for a time period of time. And I, I have to say that's not been my experience, um, nor many of the people that I've worked with. Because although I sit at a desk all day, the sitting at the desk isn't the important part of what I do. It is the interaction with people, it's the persuading people to do things, it is the looking at problems and working out possible solutions, testing whether they work or not. That's the sort of thing that goes on day to day. And I don't think it makes a big difference as to whether you're sitting at a desk or doing that, or, you know, on a farm or doing that in a motorcycle uh, motorcycle mechanic shop. The the challenges I think are, are still that you're not enjoying what you're doing, probably not because it's in the environment you're in, but because you don't feel in control. And the fastest way to get control is probably to find what you want to do and then become good at doing it. Sorry, Armin. a, a, a slight
1: follow-up question on that one, because obviously that's easier said than done. I think for many people got tons of responsibilities or other reasons why like oh, I can't just not dive into XYZ if because I think many people will be in a position, oh I'm, in a job or doing something i don't like would you say it's better to slowly plan out um you know you know where you want to go slowly plan it out and work your way towards it or just dive into it not only resign your job on the spot and risk everything but just kind of go full on and leave everything behind or do it like more gradual
2: what would your approach be yeah yeah as as you're probably gathering my my approach would and i'm not sure that i'm necessarily recommending my approach to everybody. I'm just pointing out what I did and, and my approach, which is that if I don't enjoy doing something, then I will find a way of not doing that. <laughs> That's its own collateral, I accept. But, but I do think that time is precious. And I do think that, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting that I have the answers, but I would suggest that, you know, thinking about doing something that you don't enjoy doing and you viscerally don't enjoy doing for a prolonged period of time is something that you know. I think you should challenge yourself on, and there may be times when you have to do it. Of course, everybody has to do things for a period of time that you know they'd like to do, they'd like not to do. But I think it's that whole business of I'm in an environment that I don't like. I'm being doing something that I don't want to do. I'm doing it with people I don't want to do it with. If if that's the environment that you're in, I think that you know. I, I think looking at what you could do differently to change that is a starting point, accepting that it's not a starting point for everybody, but, you know, it is a starting point.
0: I I think what you're saying – I completely agree with everything you're saying, and I think actually what you're saying gives a bit of hope because often – we think or we believe. I definitely grew up with people around me saying that you know work is going to be horrible. You're going to have horrible bosses. You're not going to like what you're doing. There's this message that is constantly communicated to us that working is bad or, or not working is bad. But um, most office jobs are not great. And you're saying essentially that it's not. It's not true. I mean, a lot of people actually go to job to work and they they love what they do. And it's still sitting at a desk nine to five. I mean. I'm nine to five sitting on a desk, and I really do enjoy what I do. I love it and And it makes me sad when I hear so many people saying that they hate their jobs, uh, mostly they're American to be fair, uh because there's a, a a lot of like no, just I'm just saying that because they're 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 work to death there, you know, like forty hour work weeks, two weeks of holidays, and there's that weird office culture. We don't have this so much in Europe, maybe I'm not sure. But it does make me sad. And, and I think what you're saying gives a bit of hope because it's telling everyone that actually you can find something that you like doing in a company. And I think COVID is only helping us in this weird way that uh, suddenly we don't have to do, you know, these long commutes to these offices and um, with um, colleagues that we might not like, et cetera. Now there's that option of working from home. So I think this, um, yeah, the, the lockdown and, and pandemic has helped us realize that actually you can You know, you can work and be a bit more flexible. It's shown a lot of companies, maybe corporations, that it's okay to have your employees working from home and all that. And that's probably helped also, you know, with the entire, "Mm, I hate my job. Well, now you can work from home and suddenly you realize you don't hate it so much.
2: So that's maybe... I think that maybe people don't... I think the commuting, particularly if you happen to live in London, can be a bit of a challenge and and probably other big cities. So there may be elements of work-life balance that the... COVID virus has focused people's minds on and allowed us to look at other options. But my experience, and you know, and, and I've socialised extensively with most people I've worked with. Generally speaking, in the industries that I've been in, people enjoy working. And then I think that it, it's something that you can make of it, what you will. Now, it's not for everybody, but I do think that enjoying what happens when you're. At work, eight hours a day is an important part of you know you, you, your makeup, um, and and so I, yeah, my only point I think in there is that I'm encouraging people to just think about what they do if they've got the option of doing that, rather than immediately saying, well, actually, you know what, I'm just going to do it for as shortest period of time as possible and then get the heck out. If you get the heck out and do something else that you want to do, great. And generally speaking, you know. <laughs> sorry, Yeah. I was chatting to somebody who's who's, who's been sailing around the world for, for, for two years and makes a living out of it. And by the time they've run a YouTube channel off it and got some decent sponsorship, they've actually found a way of making a living from it. So I do think there are ways of being able to balance what you enjoy with how you spend your time.
0: Yep, definitely. And with the internet, obviously, anything is possible. Uh, you can do whatever really, and just make a YouTube channel out of it or a blog out of it, and that's it. You've monetized it. I mean, easier said than done, obviously, but um, there are create more creative ways of uh, monetizing,
2: you know. I, I think you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the way, to, so I would, ch- I would say, you know, rather than immediately put your energy into acquiring the assets that allow you not to work, put your energy into acquiring the skills that allow you to do things that you really enjoy, if that's a possible option for you. And certainly that's something that's worked for me.
0: Our population, like uh, our community, obviously, in the FI community is a bit biased towards disliking their job because most people who are who discover this are unhappy with their current situation, are looking for solutions. Most people, I don't know if Alvar would agree, but most of the people in our community would are people who want to exit. And so maybe a lot of the people that I'm seeing and meeting are people who dislike their job. But as you're saying in general... The majority, and it's true. If if I walk on the street or my friends who have nothing to do with FI, most of them do enjoy
1: work. What what, what would you say, Alvar? I don't agree with that a hundred percent. I would definitely say people start out like that. I definitely started out like that. Like, oh wait, I don't want to work nine to five for the next four decades, and that sounds like the you know the worst thing ever. But you know, progressing through my career, um, discovering a lot of things are actually very interesting. I've you know decided I will not stop working, I might work less or I might uh, volunteer more, but I will definitely keep working. And I feel a lot of people go through a similar process. Um, I still think the value of fine is not necessarily anymore about retiring early but about finding the tools to give yourself the options because it's now if you've got 500k a million in the bank it becomes a whole lot easier to just walk away from a job you don't like or start your own business or go for these ventures are you most interested in it's actually while we were talking about this i was googling up a quote which i've been thinking about recently quite a lot uh quite simple couldn't find it in ages finally found it again so i'm quite happy with it so i'm going to share it with you guys even if you don't like it so basically goes as followed um, from Dr. Henry Clouds and Dr. John Townsend. Uh, So, we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Consequences give us the pain that motivates us to change. And I know it's very simple, but I find it very powerful where it's just basically, (sighs) the moment I truly go nuts out of my situation, I will change. I'll make myself. But... Now, when you reach that point, that's obviously very individual, but I found a quote like that's quite powerful.
0: Yeah, I mean you're basically echoing what we said, right? Yeah, that like once you once you're in too much pain in your current situation, that's so once you reach the limits, that's
2: when you'd make a change. You make an interesting point. I'll just venture a point, which is on you know, if if you are able to get yourself to the point where you are financially independent, you've spent a certain amount of time and effort. And thought to get to that point, and the question is really, what's that for? And I think that that's the point you're really making. You, you've got to have a rationale for it, you know. So, so I, I'm not sure that the goals of financial independence and you know skill acquisition and having having fun and and doing a, and meeting a lot of challenges are necessarily that interdependent. That independent, because I suspect that. You'll find that people are choosing to do to to get financially independent to be able to do something. I don't know, but the, but the the you know the the when I was looking at your website and looking at the blogs, most of the people who acquired financial independence wanted to do something with it. They didn't want to do nothing with it.
1: Certainly, and they tend to be the high achievers, the people who truly excel in their careers that get to those points. Absolutely true. And I mean, most people I know, it, it always ends up being, okay, they either I want to do volunteering work or work that's not necessarily commercially paid, but extremely interested in, or go traveling for periods, take care of relatives, um, raise kids without actually having to work. M- many reasons, all very valid. Uh, but yeah, most definitely people who follow this movement are very much into, like the logical thinkers, they're pragmatic is probably how I would summarize it.
0: I think what's interesting here, and we've kind of touched on it, is figuring out what you want to do. And actually, this is the hardest part of all of it, is figuring out what you like doing. And we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, and I'm, I'm someone who likes to talk about it a lot because I discovered this movement at a very young age and at 19, and that was young enough for me to be able to realize that actually, instead of going to university like everyone else, uh, maybe I should take this time to explore. And figure out what I want to do, and that's exactly what I did, and I figured it out. But it's very difficult to encourage people to do that when every situation is different, right? When maybe you have to take care of a relative, you don't have the funds, and everyone else is telling you you need to go to university. So, what what kind of of advice? But what are your thoughts on you know, an eighteen year old, a nineteen year old who
2: wants to figure out what they want to do? What would you tell them? Your uh-huh. own. Yeah, I'd start by trying to work out what kind of person you really are underneath it all because it's not so much what you want to do is the things that drive you. You know, are you driven by adrenaline? Are you driven by um, challenge? Do you like stasis? You know, do you want to spend time with people? Do you want to solve logic problems? You know, what is it that's really, what is it that makes you up? And I would start by trying to understand you a little bit before I started to try and work through what the range of options that you've got are. Because I think that that's the thing that, you know, if, if you know of what makes you happy and what makes you comfortable, then I think the chances are that you'll be able to drive towards it. If you're unclear as to what makes you happy and comfortable, it's quite a difficult journey to try getting there. I mean, it's a trite thing to say, but I think that very few. But I, I think that not a lot of people, particularly in their late teens and early twenties, spend the have the introspection to think about what it is that really drives them and what's going to make them happy, and then it usually makes their parents unhappy. But you, you know, have then got the confidence to sort of drive that forward.
0: Exactly. So, what do you tell them? Just go ahead. Wait a yeah. bit.
2: I think try and work out what it is that makes you happy, makes you comfortable, gives you the kind of satisfaction that you want, whatever that is. You probably won't get it right the first couple of times. So feel, you know, change it up a bit. You know, what what you think you want at 20 is unlikely to be what you want at 30 and definitely won't be what you want at 40. So it'll shift around and that's okay. You know, I think you've got to be reasonably flexible. Um, with these things. But I think probably more importantly is just understand yourself enough to be able to set yourself goals that are the goals that are going to make you comfortable with the kind of person that you want to be. So, you know, that make you fulfilled and happy. That I think is the thing that will keep you going.
0: Yeah, I really like this introspection. It's really all about that because and this is what I've written about before, you know, you're going to spend at least eighty thousand hours of your Life working might as well figure out. You know, might as well try and, and, I mean,
2: yeah. to... and. I mean, I think the people find it quite difficult to do sometimes. But I mean, you know, because I think people who are you know in a Myers Briggs sense, um, introverted, tend to find it relatively straightforward. But people who are extroverts in that sense tend to sort of wander around, bouncing off things. But actually, if you go and talk to people as an extrovert, you will generally come to a conclusion that's not very different from what would happen if you were an introvert and send your room. So, so use the tools that you've got. You know, If you like spending time with people, sit down with people and talk about, uh, uh, about it. You know, The answers are not very complicated and are generally there. Um, and if you're not 100% right, well, you, know, you can always change things.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. All I can say
1: is that I love the way you're describing you know, the approach to life and all I could basically say for myself that um, it's very okay to try these things and okay to fail too. And maybe you know me. You know I'm very much an extra fat person, and
2: the very way I learn most is by trying and failing. Yeah, no, and I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, anybody who's never failed has never tried particularly hard. <laughs> you know, uh,
1: and I, they, I love how you
2: true. And I very much liked how you said, you know, you started
1: three companies, one went bust when you worked into the ground, and when you sold the profit, or what was the, was that the way you said it?
2: Yeah, well, that's a that's a decent summary. Yeah. And, and and having the freedom to be able to do that, I think, is, you know, an important exercise, which isn't necessarily, you know. And, and there's something in there about just having enough to be able to make, the, to have the freedom to make the choices that you need to make. Um, because I, I do take the point that you alluded to in passing that quite often the choices aren't available to you. So you do need to, you know, have enough to be able to play those choices. And And somebody once said to me that, you know, but if you wanted to do something, you know, there were three goes, you know, the go small, go smart and go now. And there is something about that, which it just says that you can, you know, make a small change, think about it and do it quite quickly. Because if you don't do one of those three things, you know, you'll just drag on as you are for a while.
0: Yep, exactly. I mean, you're you're correct when we're thinking, I mean, this is why also we are big promote proponents of, you know, saving and investing. It is because of that flexibility and um, people who are struggling financially, especially now with COVID and everything, the concepts behind FI are still quite useful. The concept of saving enough and then investing in the stock market and then having an emergency fund and lowering your expenses. There's still these basic concepts are still very useful to people,
2: I'm sure. You would agree, right? Yeah, no, I think that's right. And that's why I'm saying I'm not sure that there's a disconnect between enjoying your work and challenging and staying within it versus actually looking for financial independence. Because financial independence, just having looked at a number of the use cases, uh, the cases that you guys have got up there, they're actually using that to do something that they want to do. And I think that I'm still saying the same thing. You know, Find out what it is you want to do and then do it. I was really lucky in that it turned out there's something that I could get paid for. But I do think that there is a bit of a lesson in there because even people who do roles that perhaps you think from the outside are not exciting, if they're good at them, find them fulfilling. So there there is an element of, as I said before, people not wanting, not liking work because actually they don't feel empowered. The, The thing that destroys most people's enjoyment of work is a lack of empowerment. And actually, it's the skills and the being good at something, and therefore being able to decide what happens. That is the most empowering thing.
1: So, Ellen, last question of the show of today. <laughs> Do you believe financial independence is a good goal to strive for? Is it a worthy one
2: or is it a waste of one's time? No, no, I think it's a worthy goal to strive for. I don't think it should be the only goal that you strive for. Um, I think it needs to be done in balance. You know, I would strive for financial independence to give you the ability to be able to choose to look to see what skills you acquire and how you use it, rather than for me, a goal absolutely in its own right.
1: Thank you so much for that answer. And also think it's very valuable to have, you know, quote unquote, like an outsider on the movements reflect on uh, choices we make and also find so many things we still have in common. On that. So we're not that different and it's all about choices and making them well. But anyway, thank you so much for that one.
2: I think it's about empowerment. Right? The, the mm. commonality between a choice system that says, you know, you acquire skills that allow you to enjoy your work versus a choice system that says you acquire assets that allow you to result, enjoy the results of your work is actually both of them are empowering you to be able to make life choices that are fulfilling.
1: Uh,
0: yes, I think and you put that very succinctly. So I like that. I've just changed the title of the episode to, is financial independence a good goal to strive for? Because I think that's kind of more what we talked about. And it's, it's a good, I like how you put it, it's really all about empowerment. And it really is, if you think about it. Uh, many of us like to think that I'm not going to say me, but some people just are like, I couldn't be, a, I don't know, uh, managing a team or whatever. But that, that's not what it means, being in control. It means being in control of your life. And I think everyone wants that. Yeah,
2: right. I think that's right. And, I, and as I say, I think that the thing that is most destructive and that the reason that people don't like office jobs and categorize them as perhaps less than satisfying is the lack of empowerment. And I, and I think that can be a self-fulfilling thing. How
0: do we bring more empowerment into the office? That's uh, another episode for another day. (laughs) I'm sure you know a lot about it. But yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, It really shows you that it's all about people management. If you know how to manage a team effectively, if you're a good coach, then people will enjoy going to work and will feel fulfilled.
2: So, so. I think that's it. If you can get people to enjoy coming to work, actually, you have teams that can do the things that you need them to do.
0: Exactly. Cool. Uh, well, Alan, we have a couple of final questions here for you. Our first question is, I don't know if people, if you want people to be able to um, reach out to you online, if they do, I mean, maybe just your LinkedIn, if you have that
2: or whatever, if you're comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, LinkedIn, you can find me, Alan French, and Thomas Cook.
1: Perfect. So I'm curious about what, um, and what your experience would mention on this one, uh, but... What is the one resource that's not well known you would recommend others to check out? And now in your case, anything from productivity to learning to uh, being a better cook, what's the one thing you would
2: <laughs> recommend people in life to check out as a resource? Yeah, I, I'm not sure I have an answer to that. I think it is to do things that you're uncomfortable with. And I was, you know, and I, I referred to it earlier, you know, that thing is, you know, go small, go smart and go now. I'm not sure I have a, a, have a, you know, I can I can point you at a resource that that tells you that. I probably don't have an answer that you can play through on the radio, but... A book.
0: We mean more like a book, a podcast? Is there something that's helped you, you know, as you've gone on in your career? Like a, a book, yeah. A book, a podcast, kind uh, of thing, a blog.
2: I, I mean, I, I've, I've been moved by a number of books. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's a, a very trite answer. I mean, I, I think the best management... Book written was Machiavelli and Machiavelli's System of Princes. You know. Great. Right. Uh,
0: and our last question for today is okay, well, we've talked about this a lot today, uh, but what is your number one actionable tip for someone to get started on their path to loving their career?
2: Well, yeah, I think you know, moving outside of your comfort zone is really important. But I think also doing something small, smart, and now it's a bit of a mantra for me you don't have to do anything big lots of small things will have the same result generally a better result than doing one really big thing thinking about it before you do it to do it smart and then actually do it now don't don't put it off
0: yeah i like that i haven't heard that one before actually but it makes sense and i like it that's good great okay well that that is all for these are all our questions for today thank you so much alan for coming on Uh, i'm sure you have a very busy schedule so this was really we really appreciate it
1: well hello everybody uh here by the quick announcement for myself and Araminta. yeah so guys to be blunt straight away uh and i will well at least for now be leaving the podcast and we've got both our reasons for it uh but maybe let's just sort of like Araminta. What are your reasons for leaving the podcast now?
0: Hey, everyone. Yes, um, Alvar and I are um, leaving the FI Europe podcast just because we have decided that we have other things that are taking our time. And we believe that these take priority over the FI Europe podcast. And as everyone knows, managing a podcast is, takes up a lot of time and energy. And uh, uh, we've decided to go go on to something else. It doesn't mean that the podcast is ending uh matthias will be taking over uh fully along with possibly some other hosts uh which we will be announcing shortly and yeah personally my reason is i'm i'm planning on starting another podcast and i can't really run two at the same time <laughs> although i'd love to uh so i'm i'm decided to to move on but as everyone knows uh we've loved hosting this podcast we've loved growing it and uh, going to a conference with everyone, meeting so many fascinating people, whether they were listeners or guests. It was such an amazing venture. We had a lot of fun. So thank you to everyone who participated and who got to know us. And I'm super excited about what's to come. Uh, I hope you guys are too. And yeah, we'll probably, will. Alvar and I will probably still be hanging around the Facebook group and saying hi to everyone. So we're not gone forever, that's for sure. Any, what are your thoughts, Alvar?
1: So for myself, it's very much, it's not like that I'm starting a new podcast. It is, you know, as the best way of phrasing it, I'm creatively burnt out a little bit on producing episodes. And there's nothing to do with, with not actually being interested in financial independence, but more that recently I've just, I been the feeling that we, or I am repeating the same content over and over again. It's kind of like the investing and how do you do it and live frugally it, it, it kind of starts to all feel like the same. And I think at that point, when I don't feel like I have a lot of new crazy ideas and the, the positive feedback loop from episodes isn't there a hundred percent anymore as it used to be, it's better to just call it quits for a period. So for myself, I've said now, uh, you know, over the next, say, three to six months, I'm going to give it a bit of time, not produce any episodes over that period. Um, if at that point after I feel, hey, new energy, I'll go again, no, yeah, I'll uh, join the podcast again and produce episodes. But if not, then um, these now, well, the last episodes coming out over the next weeks will be my last. And uh, same as with Armin, I've learned so much from this podcast and um, the sheer idea that I believe at this point, it's like 290,000 uh, downloads, like over the last two and a half, three years. Like that sheer idea is just insane that so many of you listen to me, to Arminta to Matthias, and Hopefully, you know, got some nuggets of knowledge out of the podcast. Uh, that's just, yeah, honestly incredible. And to Congress and uh, in Portugal and all the meetups I went to and so many of you that I met in person, that was really, that was a true value for me always, the networking bits and getting to know people's personal stories. And also, obviously, I've learned a lot myself uh, through doing the research, interviewing so many, like, very, very smart and talented people. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to say, okay, excellent. I've done my bits and it's now time to give somebody else a chance to do some episodes. And yeah, we want to keep the platform alive and are very certain that Matthias can keep an awesome show running. Uh, Yeah, so I hope, you know, everybody will be well. I'll still be in the Facebook group and running my own little five uh, meetup in Edinburgh online. So if you ever feel like joining, give a shout. But yeah, for now, that will be it. Do you have any further last words or a My last
0: words are just thank you very much everyone for being a part of this podcast and uh, I'll see you around in the group.
1: Awesome. And I've said what I wanted to say once more guys, thank you so much for listening and supporting us in the podcast and uh, hopefully to, you know, at some point in the future, arrivederci. Hey Matthias, do you think there are no financial independence Facebook
2: groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content
1: gotcha and also we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups on reddit in facebook groups the fight europe retreat obviously we organized and this is in the end the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you i learn more from you case studies answer questions and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger smarter and hopefully also richer people so you know matthias yeah, say i'm interested in this where do i find this facebook group Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just
0: click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So
1: yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group.
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode.
1: We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review.